Hello, this is Vladimir, and you're listening to Aging with Grace Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11, Reliable Transportation, Recording Date, June 25th, 2022. Please enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this week's Aging with Grace Podcast titled Reliable Transportation. I'm your host, D.G. Linton Gridley. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast titled Reliable Transportation. A senior citizen drove his brand new Corvette convertible out of the dealership. Taking off down the road, he floored it to 80 miles per hour, enjoying the wind blowing through what little gray hair he had left. Amazing, he thought as he flew down I-94, pushing the pedal even more. Looking in his rearview mirror, he saw a state trooper Behind him, lights flashing and siren blaring. He floored it to 100 miles per hour, then 110, then 120. Suddenly he thought, what am I doing? I'm too old for this, and pulled over to await the trooper's arrival. Pulling in behind him, the trooper walked up to the Corvette, looked at his watch, and said, Sir, my shift ends in 30 minutes. Today is Friday. If you can give me a reason for speeding that I've never heard before, I'll let you go. The older gentleman paused. Then he said, Years ago, my wife ran off with a state trooper. I thought you were bringing her back. (laughs) Have a good day, sir, replied the trooper. (laughs) I especially appreciate that joke because I have a Corvette. It is tempting to go too fast. (laughs) It is not reliable transportation, however. It is just for fun. Reliable transportation is one of the necessary ingredients for better health for many reasons. On the flower of health, which is Aging with Grace's graphic representation of all the factors needed for better health and, if acted upon, will lead to better health. So on this graphic, transportation is shown on the stem of the flower. (laughs) Of course, the stem of any plant has the function of transporting water and nutrients to the leaves and flowers so the plant can live and be healthy. Transportation for humans is similar in that we have to have transportation to get the things that we need to be healthy. Health and dental care, for example, nutritious food, socializing with others, and volunteering, to just name a few, that require transportation to accomplish. If we want to stay in our homes and communities forever, we need reliable transportation in spite of disabilities. Americans have long been in love with the automobile, Our whole culture is built around the automobile. People who live in Europe and other countries are not so automobile-centric. Public transportation is much more accessible and utilized in these other countries. For some reason, there's a stigma attached to public transportation in this country. Public transportation is considered for poor people or for people who have lost their license for some reason. Public transportation is looked down upon in most parts of the USA, I know it is where I am in Lexington, Kentucky. I wish it wasn't so. People should use public transportation more for the environment's sake and to save money. I have used the bus on several occasions when I was teaching and my car was in the shop. I think it's enjoyable to board a warm city bus on a cool day and relax and read my book on my way to work. And in the summertime, it's even better to get on a cool bus after waiting at a hot bus stop. Us baby boomers have grown up at the height of the automobile culture. We went to drive-in theaters on our dates. We ate in drive-in restaurants. We cruised around town to pick up dates. We made out in our cars parked in romantic spots. You may have seen the movie American Graffiti. 
My high school days were a lot like that. But cars are not good for our planet. We're destroying our ozone layer and contributing to pollution in general. Enter electric cars. I don't know what is going to become of those batteries, though. My son, who works on, on nuclear reactors on aircraft carriers in the Navy, said cars can run on water if we wanted them to. Something about separating the hydrogen from the oxygen. He's an engineer and always talks about science and mechanical subjects that are over my head. <laughs> anyway, back to the subject of transportation for us baby boomers as we grow older. I don't like to drive personally. I think it's stressful and I've had several accidents and don't care to have any more. Not lately, though, thankfully. <laughs> I've always longed for self-driving cars. As a younger woman, I thought perhaps the roadways could be magnetized and the cars could sense the magnets to guide them. But I guess the self-driving cars are going to run on satellite directions. In any case, I hope they perfect them soon for us baby boomers who don't like to use public transportation. <laughs> Driving seems especially symbolic of manhood in our culture here in the USA. Men identify with their vehicles. I have always compared our vehicles with our bodies because both require maintenance and TLC to work optimally. Both require the intervention of a specialist when they don't work well, which puts us at a disadvantage because we don't have the knowledge that the specialists do, and we have to trust them to be capable and honest. But unlike trading in a car when it breaks down too often, we can't trade in our bodies when they start breaking down. And yet some people take better care of their cars than they do their bodies. I'm especially saddened when I see former athletes who are overweight and unhealthy in their older years due to their poor health decisions and unhealthy lifestyles. In other words, they were gifted with Maserati bodies, but they didn't change the oil much and they put in crap gas when they were supposed to use premium. Sad. It's so sad. Whether we have taken care of our bodies or not, as we grow older, driving becomes a challenge for some. I think people over the age of 80 should have to take a driving test every year. What happened in my family in 2007 is an example of what happens in many families. My father and mother-in-law were living in upstate New York. My husband and I lived in Kentucky. Relatives in New York were calling me to report that my father-in-law's behavior was becoming increasingly bizarre and that he had lost a lot of weight. I had tried to convince them to move in with my husband and I for years, but my mother-in-law absolutely refused. My mother-in-law did not drive. She had never driven. They lived in a small town on the outskirts of town. They relied on my father-in-law's driving for groceries and everything else. I heard reports of them going the wrong way down an expressway. I heard reports of him almost going over a cliff. I heard reports of him running into another car while attempting to park. I heard reports that his doctor would not sign a paper stating that in the doctor's opinion, my father-in-law was safe to drive. My father-in-law was a school bus driver in his retirement, and he had to have his doctor sign off on his physical capabilities each year in order to keep driving. Yet no one took his personal driver's license away. I called the local police where they lived, and they said they could not do it. I called other relatives who lived near them and asked them to take away the, their keys and take them to the store, but they would not. My mother-in-law was not thinking clearly either. She wanted him to drive her places even though he was not capable. She said one day they got into the car and she handed him the key and he said, what do you want me to do with this? 
She had to guide his hand to put the key into the ignition, and then she instructed him step by step, and he proceeded to drive her to the store. Eventually, my mother and father-in-law moved in with my husband and teenage son and I, but it was an ordeal, to say the least. It took all day to get them loaded up and into our van. It was getting dark as we were traveling in our car on the way to our house, going 70 miles an hour down the expressway, when my father-in-law tried to jump out of the car. He said he thought he was driving, and the he was in the passenger seat, but he thought he was driving, and he thought the car was out of control because he was stepping on the brakes and the car would not stop. We had to physically restrain him to keep him in the car, and we pulled over at the next um, exit where I bought him a flashlight. Fortunately, there was a, a gas station and a store there. He turned it on and off, shining it on the floorboard the whole rest of the trip. After he was settled into our home, he often asked when he could get his driver's license in Kentucky. We told him he had to live in Kentucky Bef uh, he had to live a year in Kentucky before he could get his license. I believe it is okay to lie to people who have dementia to protect them and everyone else. He passed away four months later. I am so glad he did not kill anyone in New York while he was driving with dementia. Here in Lexington, a family of four was killed in a head-on collision with a woman with dementia who was going the wrong way down the expressway. I heard the daughter of the woman say on our local news station that she knew her mother had dementia and she should have taken away her keys. How tragic for all concerned. I don't understand why it's up to the family to take away the keys. It makes more sense to me to require doctors to report people with dementia to the police and the police should be required to put a cleat on their car's tires so they cannot drive it. In 2012, I went to the courthouse in a small town to meet with a judge there concerning her insurance coverage. I was an insurance rep back then. She told me of a gentleman who had been into the courthouse the previous year to renew his license. He obviously had dementia, and he couldn't even find the door to leave. The law says that if someone is driving that shouldn't be driving, the judge has to fill out a form and send it to the state police. The judge filled out the form and sent it to the state police. The state police came to his door and demanded his driver's license from him. A few days later, his wife stormed into the court offices and yelled at the judge, How could you take his license away? You may as well have killed him because a man has to be able to drive to live around here. The woman wanted to know how she could get her husband's driver's license back. The judge said that the man's doctor would have to make a statement saying that he was still capable of driving. A month later, the judge saw the man driving. There was only one doctor in town, and so the judge called the doctor and asked about the man, wondering how the doctor could certify that he was safe for driving. The doctor said, Judge, if I become known as the doctor who will take your license away if you come to me for your health care needs, people will go to the next county to see the doctor there. So... In other words, he certified the man with dementia as being safe to drive, even though he wasn't safe to drive, just so the doctor could remain in practice as a doctor there in that town. True story. I have heard from other people that the story is repeated over and over. Doctors will not take people's driver's licenses away. So... Please drive defensively and write your government representatives to get the laws changed so people over the age of 80 
have to take a driver's test every year, and doctors have to report their patients with dementia to the state police, who will take their license away. There is an AARP-sponsored driving course offered at one of our local senior centers. Supposedly, taking the course makes one eligible for reduced auto insurance costs. But please visit the AARP.org website for a plethora of information about driving for people over age 50. Now that brings us back to reliable transportation. What if you or I are no longer able to drive? What are our options? Well, here in Lexington, we do have a city bus. As I said before, I have taken the bus to and from work when my car was in the shop, and it was very enjoyable. The only part I didn't like was waiting at the bus stop and wondering if I missed the bus and wondering when the bus would arrive. For people with dementia or other health challenges, there is the wheels bus system. To be eligible for wheels, one must fill out a form that you can find on the internet or call 877-232-7433 to have one sent to you and have a doctor sign off that one is eligible. Adult day centers professional staff are allowed to sign off on the form also. The wheels bus costs $1.60 a trip. They have a lift for people who have a walker or a wheelchair or a power chair. The drivers come to the door and escort the person to the bus and help them get seated. If the person is in a wheelchair or power chair, they fasten them, them down. When the wheels bus reaches the destination, the driver helps the person off the bus and escorts them to the door of their destination. My experience with them has been very positive. My mother-in-law loved taking the wheels bus. I was afraid she wouldn't like it because she came of came from a very privileged background, but she said that riding the bus reminded her of when she was a schoolgirl, and she liked the special attention that the, that the drivers gave her. This is what the Wheels website says. The Wheels Paratransit Program is a shared ride door-to-door -door public transportation service for disabled citizens of the Lexington-Fayette County area. Funding for the program is provided through a contract with Lextran, Lexington's public transportation system. The paratransit service is designed to meet the needs of those who are unable to use Lextran's fixed route buses by providing economical and accessible transportation. The wheels service operates 365 days a year provides more than 200,000 trips annually, and travels nearly 1.8 million miles per year. The American Red Cross Wheels Program, in partnership with Lextran, has provided safe and reliable transportation for the residents of Lexington-Fayette County since 1978. Hours of Service The Wheels Service operates the following hours seven days a week, 365 days out of the year, including holidays, at Lextran's discretion, the operating hours may be modified on major holidays. Monday through Saturday, 5 a.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sunday, 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eligibility starts with an independent evaluation. Lextran utilizes a company called ADA Ride, whose goal is to provide accurate evaluations and ensure that those individuals who are eligible for paratransit receive it in a timely and professional manner. To get assessed for ADA paratransit service, contact ADA Ride at 
1-800-747-7433, Monday through Friday between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or visit www.adaride.com. Fare structure. The wheel service is a pay-as-you-go program that collects exact cash, checks, or prepaid passes when boarding. When both the origin and destination are within three-quarters of an area mile of an operating Lextran fixed route, there is a charge of $1.60 per one-way trip. If the trip is outside of this range, a premium rate of $2 per one-way trip is charged. A wheels pass is a prepaid ticket to ride the wheels bus. Passes may be purchased by contacting 859-233-3433. There are several convenient pay options available. Credit or debit card over the phone, check or money order via mail or given to any wheels driver. Passes can be ordered on a periodic basis and mailed to your home address. Please allow five to seven business days for processing. For your convenience, there is a writer's guide to wheels that explains the operations of the program, frequently asked questions, and policies. The guide can be downloaded, or you can also request a copy by calling 859-233-3433. When my mother-in-law first needed transportation, in addition to what family was able to provide, we used ITN of the bluegrass to transport her initially, but it was very expensive. ITN stands for Independent Transportation Network. It is a nonprofit that uses private cars driven by volunteers and regular cars driven by paid drivers to transport visually impaired people and older people. It is a wonderful service that I highly recommend. Very user-friendly and respectful. No signs on the vehicles. No money needs to change hands during the trip. The person needing a ride just calls them and schedules a trip. ITN keeps the money for the trips in an account, and when the account runs low, the person that needs a ride gets a notification to put more money into the account. For medical appointments for people who do not have the funds to pay for transportation, there is a company called Federated, and in other communities, there are other providers. Please contact your local community action council or your local development district offices. I have to interject here a plea for the law to be changed, the law that says to be eligible for federated and other Medicaid medical transportation, one must not have a registered vehicle at the same address. In other words, if a poor, medically needy, older person is living with family, they cannot get a free ride. This is a hardship for working children who want to take care of their parents at home. Wheels is about $65 a month for rides to and from an adult day center. For some working children, that is a lot of money. And to get themselves to work and transport their loved one, too, is a hardship. Of course, Aging with Grace's at-home health and health service providers will transport our members one-on-one -on -one in privately owned vehicles. It's wonderful. For people who need transportation in a reclining position to a hospital on a regular basis, in other words, if they are bedridden, I recommend contracting with an ambulance company for the lowest rate. And just in case you don't know, most Medicare supplement policies do not pay for an ambulance. There is such a thing as ambulance insurance. For people that live out, of the, out in the country, 
I think it's a good idea in case you ever need an airlift to a hospital. Some ambulance insurance policies will cover you if you are traveling, too. But let's hope none of us will ever need a trip to the hospital because we are going to get healthier by downloading a copy of The Flower of Health from the agingwithgraceinfo.org website and posting it on our refrigerator so we can refer to it daily. But just looking at The Flower of Health is not going to make us healthier, of course. (laughs) We have to act upon what we need for better health. Remember, growing older is mandatory, but growing up is optional. And we don't stop playing because we grow older. We grow older when we stop playing. Here's another one. Aging seems to be the only available way to live a longer life. (laughs) I hope I have shared something useful that you can use or share. Please remember, Aging with Grace appreciates reviews and comments wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can contact us directly from our website, agingwithgraceinfo.org, or just call us at 859 539-2147. Thank you for listening, and I'm wishing you a week of making happy memories. This is your host, D.G. Linton Gridley, saying bye for now. Hello, listeners. This is Vladimir again, and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the last episode. For more information about Aging with Grace, please go to agingwithgraceinfo.org. That's agingwithgraceinfo.org. Thank you, and see you in the next one. The health club for seniors is your kind of place, so come and join us and age with grace.